in the New Testament, and woe unto us if we don't see that teaching and take heed to that teaching. Now, you say, well, this is pretty basic. Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's important for us during these tumultuous times to just get back to the basics. I mean, look, people are just quitting church. I mean, what's more basic that you learned after you got saved than you're supposed to be in the house of God, amen? People have just quit witnessing. I mean, churches have given it up, and people have just quit talking to others about the Lord. I mean, what is more fundamental and basic that you learned after you got saved than Christians are to live their lives as lights in the world and share the gospel with others? And I find that so many of the fundamentals are just being swept aside. And I'm not talking about, quote, the fundamentals of the faith as we would think of doctrinally, but the basic practice of a Christian, the way that a Christian's supposed to live, and, and the the Lord just directed my heart to get back to some simple basic truths in the Bible. Now, every one of us as a Christian is a sheep in the sight of God. I want you to just uh, take your Bible. If you will go to John chapter 10 with me, John chapter number 10. Now, I just want to solidify this in your mind this morning. Every one of us is a sheep in the sight of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to come this week and just say, Lord, you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. You do whatever it is. You know what I need. You know where I need to go. You know what medicine I need. You know what I need physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And Father, I'm just going to completely yield myself to you. And I want you to do whatever it is that you want to do in my life this week. Would to God we could all have that spirit and attitude going into this meeting this week. In John chapter 10, I want us to read verses 1 through 16. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I think it's important for our overall understanding for the Sunday school hour. The Bible said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own by name, and leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. And find pasture. The thief cometh not. You know, that talks about fulfillment, that pasture, amen? That's what you find, the contentment, amen? Uh, the purpose for your life, to be there and be one of God's sheep. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know, it's good for us to remember that verse number 11 because we need to just be reminded that everything God wants for me is the best. He's the good shepherd, amen? He'll never lead me in a place that I shouldn't be and He'll never do something to me that I don't necessarily need. He is the good shepherd, amen? But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd who's owned the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As a father knoweth me, even so know I the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, 
Them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Well, we are sheep, amen, according to this text of Scripture, and we could look at many others, but there's no way around this. Well, what exactly does this teaching mean? You know, there's, there's almost no way to exhaust this unless you're going to do a multi-week Sunday school hour on this subject. But I just want to bring you just a few of the most basic, simple things that I think are pertinent to revival uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, I want us to begin by examining the attributes of sheep. If we're going to understand what this means, whereas God calls himself the shepherd and he calls us the sheep, uh, we first need to just really quickly think about the attributes of sheep. Well, upon one's initial approach, when you walk up to a sheep, amen, in order to examine it, we quickly note that the sheep are not at eye level, amen? Now, what could that possibly mean? And why did God use the sheep as opposed to other bigger or stronger or taller animals? And the Lord could have wrote the metaphor any way he wanted to and to make the analogy or the comparison in any fashion that he chose to do. But I want you to first understand, number one, that sheep are short. Now, you understand we're going to make application of all this, and I understand physically there may be some here. I'm not shooting at you, amen, if you're vertically challenged. That's not what I'm talking about. Some already are maybe more uh, prone to, you know, not ha having the heights as of others, amen. I'll put it that way. But that's not what I'm talking about. What happens, though, is if you look at a sheep, God has designed them and made them very low to the ground by divine design. I mean, they're one of those animals that just kind of hover real low to the ground. And the Lord chose this animal for us to understand our place in His pasture, how weak we are, how small we are, how needy we are, how desperately we have to have somebody to lead us. Look, if you ever get to the point where God's leading you some of the time and you're leading yourself some of the time, you are not in the place God wants you to be. If you're yielding certain areas of your life to God's leadership and then you're trying to do your own thing over here, that is not what God desires. He has made us in this small, lowly fashion to illustrate to us just how desperately needy we are of His help, of His feeding, of His leadership. So in like fashion, as the sheep are very short and low to the ground, God has created us to be meek and lowly like unto our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the, the older we get and the longer we serve the Lord, I believe we ought to be striving more and more and more to lose ourselves completely in the identity of Jesus Christ, to completely forget about what I want, what I desire, who I am, exercising my rights, and just simply yielding all of that to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll think about this for a moment. Nowhere does the Lord liken us to high animals. I don't see anywhere where he says, I'm the shepherd and you're a bunch of giraffes, amen? Or I'm the shepherd and you're a moose, and I'm the shepherd and you're an elephant. No, God, again, could have chosen any one of those, but he very specifically wanted us to look at ourselves as the dependent sheep, those that are dependent completely upon the shepherd. In Psalm 95, in verse 6 and 7, the Bible says it this way, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. And so understand that God wants us to live our lives very low to the ground. Amen? I'm not talking about crawling out to your car today. I'm talking about humility of mind, humility of spirit, humility of heart, understanding that we're not all that in a bag of chips and what turns people off and what repulses people and what destroys our testimony is when people see us as we think of ourselves as something great instead of reflecting and mirroring and pointing to Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, it says this, 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Listen, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. What he's saying is get under that yoke with me. I'm the burden bearer. I want you to bear other people's burdens, but you've got to get under my yoke. And when you come under my yoke, you'll find out I am meek and lowly in heart. And so as we serve with Christ, as Christ is working through us, and we're bearing the burdens of others with and for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to learn something about him. We're going to learn that even our shepherd is very meek and very lowly. So not only are we sheep and he's the shepherd, but by his very example, he tells us who we ought to be in our heart of hearts. You say, why do you say this? Look, because pride will diminish and destroy any opportunity of God leading us and guiding us this week in this revival. Our pride and our rejection of truth and our self-sustenance and how we think that we're so great and we've got it all figured out and we know the Bible, this is what will get in the way and hinder us from having spiritual revival in our hearts this week. And so just remember, I know this is, you say, well, this is kind of humiliating. No, it's a glorious truth, amen, to think that Jesus Christ would allow me and, and give me an opportunity to be saved and to live in his pastures, to be fed by him, to be sustained by him, to know that every path he leads me in is safe and it's wonderful and it's the perfect will of God. These are glorious truths. James chapter 4 and verse 10, we're reminded, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There's never a time in my life I need to go about to figure out how I can lift myself up. That is completely what God will do, but I have to humble myself first. So we as Christians must live our lives, as I mentioned, very low to the ground. The Lord gave me a thought as I was praying over this last night and this morning, and it goes like this. The heights of spiritual reviving which revival's glorious, isn't it? Isn't it glorious when you come to church really not expecting or not really knowing the area God's going to deal with you about? There's depression, there's discouragement, uh, you know, there's, there's just, uh, uh, you know, insecurities in our life or fears in our lives and God knows how to deal with them. Isn't it awesome when He does that and, and He breaks our heart and we get right with Him and we're soaring on the mountaintop, amen, spiritually? But, but listen, the heights of spiritual reviving are most likely found in the lowest depths of prayer and humility. It is when we are broken before God that God can make us pliable and talk to us and we can actually hear Him and He can lead us and guide us in the paths of revival. So I want you to just first of all understand that when the Lord says, I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep, we are to live our lives very low profile, not trying to impress anyone, amen, just very low to the ground and humble before our Savior. But let me notice a second thing with you, and that is simply this. The identity of sheep is focused not on the individual, but rather they are always a part of a flock. You don't see anybody say, I bought a flock of sheep. How many of you get one? Doesn't happen that way, amen? I mean, that'd be silly, would it not? And so listen, uh, so many times we want to stay, you know, kind of close to the church, but we're not all in. You know, we want to kind of get up to the church and take some of the good things we like, but we're not dedicated to it. And you know what's interesting? My pastor years ago back in Wisconsin, he did a study on after Christ and how the synagogues begin to spatter everywhere around the world and as the Jews were dispersed and all of that. But if you look at a Jew today, an Orthodox Jew, a dedicated Orthodox Jew, take Ben Shapiro for example. I don't know what a good example he is. I guess he is an example of a good Orthodox Jew, an unsaved person. 
But their life literally revolves around that synagogue. Everything they do, their bar mitzvahs and their birthdays and just everything, it all revolves around that. And would to God that would be the way that Christians who have the truth and are saved by the grace of God and have not rejected their Messiah, that our lives would revolve around the church and we would understand that our identity is found in the flock and not necessarily in individuality. Notice if you would 1 Corinthians 12. By the way, go to 1 Corinthians 12. This is a this is a truth that God wanted me to live. Amen. I'm out on the road in evangelism, and my pastor sits me down and says this: because Adel Baptist Temple wants to send you and your family to Homestead, Florida to start a church. Well, that's what the church wants to do. Exactly. And I'm just a part of the church. But you're a well-known evangelist and God's used you. And all. No, no, I'm just a member of a local church. And you see, uh, the Lord dealt with my heart about that very quickly. And basically what God showed my pastor was, hey, there's a job that needs to be done. There's a very needy place. Here's a tool that God has given you right in the membership, right in the flock, an evangelist that could go and do that. So why don't you have the church take the tool, send the tool down to do the job? And that's the way it works. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm just saying I believe what I'm preaching to you today, folks. It is not just about your life and, yeah, you're kind of connected to knobs or you attend knobs or, you know, that's what you do on the weekends. No, your life should literally be lost in this flock and focus not on the individual but on the fact that God allows us and gives us the privilege of being members of New Testament churches. In 1 Corinthians 12, notice verse number 12 with me. For as the body is one and hath many members, for all the members of that one body being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. In 1 Corinthians twelve twenty, it says, But now are they many members, yet but one body. I was just made aware of an individual, and I won't get too pointed as to who he is or where he's at, but he just decided, yeah, me and my wife, who seems to be having an affair with somebody, by the way, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to start a church. And my first question is this, and you can call me a stickler if you want, I'm a biblicist. Okay, what church is sending you out? Like, what church ordained you? See, that's the normative pattern in Scripture. What church checked out your doctrine? What church laid you next to 1 Timothy 3 and said, this man is biblically qualified, therefore we're going to send him out and extend of an arm of authority. But nowadays you've got everybody and their brother starting their home churches. They're just against, quote, organized religion. I've got news for you. Jesus organized 12 disciples. Jesus gave them a doctrine and gave them the Lord's table and gave them a baptism and gave them the, the Great Commission and, and, and put them in order. I don't want to get off on that too much, but listen, uh, folks, it's, it's all today, it's about all the Lone Rangers out there and all the big name preachers and Facebook is filled with them and the radios are filled with them and television is filled with them and it's not about the church, it's about this great big individual. It's about this wonderful speaker and repeatedly, I don't know if you're, if you're, you're disconnected or if you're, you stay up on things like this, but over and over and over these big name preachers, they're falling into sin. 
They're coming out as homosexuals. They're, they're saying they never believed in Jesus to begin with. And I'm saying there's something to be said for just being a nobody and just a, losing your identity in Christ and in the Lord's church and not trying to be a big name preacher. The local church, you see, is much bigger than me. The local church is much bigger than you. This church that Jesus bled and died for, it is far more important to the glory of God and the plan of God than my one meager life. My local church and, and the churches of Jesus Christ in general, His biblical churches, they're much bigger than just your single life and my single life. God's plan involves flocks of sheep everywhere losing their identity, their individual identity in the cause of Jesus Christ and for His glory in the local New Testament church. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible said these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. It was no longer about this guy and this guy and his talents and his abilities. They were together in one accord serving God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In Acts 2, 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with glass and singleness of heart. Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now I didn't make the analogy or the metaphor. Jesus Christ said that we are sheep and he is the shepherd of our pasture. And what that means is, my friend, the days of individuality, they're over. We are now connected to other believers. And, and my friend, when Christ places you into a New Testament local church, he literally attaches you as a body part to other body parts. You know, we've oftentimes used this analogy. If I laid my hand here and chopped it off with a cleaver, I'd like to be able to say, well, that doesn't bother me. It's just my hand. It doesn't affect the rest of me. I don't feel it. I don't see the blood. I'm not fainting. I'm I'm not you know, getting rushed to the hospital right now. But the truth is, God connects us all together. And you can't just be concerned about yourself anymore. There's to be love and compassion and a brokenheartedness. We rejoice with them that rejoice. We mourn with them that mourn. We feel each other's infirmities. And we visit one another and encourage one another and admonish one another. See, my friend, if we're going to have revival, we've got to get back to this group right here, this tight-knit group, to getting even tighter, amen? to knitting together even stronger because the devil wants to pull one out and pull another out and now the membership's down to 90 and then he pulls two or three more out and now it's down to 70 and he pulls five or six more out and now it's down to 60 and I'm seeing this all over our country that he's pulling people out like crazy and what you need to do is rededicate yourself today and say I'm a member of Knobs Baptist Church this is where God placed me I'm going to be faithful I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters and love my brothers brothers and sisters. Why? Because Jesus said that we're sheep and we're supposed to be existing in flocks. Amen. There's not much more that is more repulsive than when a church or a church ministry becomes all about a man or a woman instead of about the Savior and about Him getting glory in His church. You know what interests me as I look back historically, most of the big churches in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when the big preacher died, a lot of them have gone bad or they don't even exist anymore. 
We could walk from Northland to Pillsbury to from college to college and, and, and church campus to church campus and you'll find the Pentecostals are meeting there now or it's now warehouse space or they bulldoze the building. I'm saying, my friend, only what is built on Jesus Christ is going to last and it's not about, and I love your pastor and I think one of the reasons God uses your pastor is because he sought not to be some great preacher but to be a servant of the Lord and there's an attractiveness to that for those that love God. If you're walking with God. You want somebody that loves God and is not trying to be somebody but is magnifying Jesus Christ. But listen, God's not going to share His glory with anyone. So I might as well stop seeking it. Might as well realize I'm just a lowly servant of God. I'm a member of a church and if the Lord can use me, glory to His holy name. Turn to 3 John with me quickly. <clears throat> Turn to 3 John. You know, on the other side of this, the Lord very seriously deals with those who would attempt to usurp authority. Those who would attempt to be bigger than what God intended them to be. In 3 John, notice if you would, verse 9 and verse number 10. 3 John, verse 9 and 10. Bible said, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among us, receiveth us not. Would you notice that there was somebody in this church who desired to be above everybody else, to not be a team worker and laborer and just to lose his identity in that flock, but he wanted to have the preeminence. He, he loved it. We have to be careful about that. But then he said, he receiveth us not. Now, why would you not receive godly, sold-out, God-fearing, servant missionaries? See, this is what happens when we get filled with pride. We can't see straight. We can't think biblically. If we think we're bigger than the church and we're the one that everybody needs to look to and we're the standard, man, God can't use us anymore. Notice verse number 10, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth prating against us with malicious words and not contempt therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. John said, hey, it's about the flock. It's not about diatrophies. And I'm not going to forget how low he has gone and what he has done to hurt the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. So may I just remind you today, we're to live our lives low to the ground. We're to come to the house of God today saying, hey, this is a time when our church is called for revival and I want to get as low as I can and just say, good shepherd, feed me and speak to my heart. But I also want to rededicate my life this week to the concept of the local New Testament church, not my individuality, not my position in the church, not me bucking for authority in the church, but just to lose myself as a servant in the Lord's church, being a part of a flock. And then notice this about sheep. Sheep know the shepherd. Look over to John chapter 10 with me. Sheep know the shepherd. Let me say this, his sheep know the shepherd, amen? One of the interesting things about the field of evangelism is seeing a flock and then all of a sudden, one gets up out of the flock and says, I'm not of the flock, and they're over here becoming a part of the flock. Amen? 
Somebody steps up and because you see there's imposters that come in. There's people that hang out among the flock. There's sheep that'll come in that are not of that fold. And I'm saying, my friend, that listen, real sheep, the way you can tell who's a real sheep is this, they know the shepherd. In John chapter 10 and verse number 14, look what your Bible says there. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Now, the contextual interpretation of this is that Jesus Christ knows his sheep and his sheep know him. So let me just say this, if you're truly in the flock of Christ, the evidence of that standing is that you know Jesus Christ. So like, do you ever talk to him when you're all alone? Or is it just about church? You say, well, preacher, certainly I talk to him. You know, there are many that, are, that come in among our churches that are not truly saved by the grace of God. And they think by going to church and even getting baptized or dressing a certain way or carrying the right Bible is all of a sudden going to make them good enough. But when you get right down to it, there is no biblical real relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that hit me like a ton of bricks when I got saved was now I can talk to him not just any time, but all the time. I can practice and enjoy his presence. And no matter where I'm at or what what I'm doing, I can have sweet communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me just say, if you are a sheep here today, the evidence of that is that you in your heart of hearts know that there is a spiritual connection with Him. When you bow your head, you know that He's there. You know that you're talking to Him. You know that you've met Him. You know that He hears you. You know that He's answering and ministering to you when you talk to the Lord. Do you know Him as Savior? Do you know Him as friend today. No one's going to get revived until they first get saved by the good grace of God. And I fear today that there are so many, as we enter the last days, one of the earmarks of it is false gospels getting preached everywhere. I know that I've mentioned this before, but it's absolutely sickening what you see all over the internet. Joel Osteen never saying anything about the death or the burial or the resurrection of Christ and all kinds of people. He turns the screen and says, if you want to go to heaven, pray a prayer. Look, friend, if you never came under conviction, if God didn't draw you, if you didn't understand the truths of the gospel and ever see yourself as a sinner look as a catholic i prayed thousands of untold numbers of prayers and let me just say i was very sincere about that but i was sincerely lost as a ball in tall weeds and going to hell i wonder today are you one of christ's sheep because you to have revival you have to first be in the flock are you saved so is church just the only time that you're spiritual the only praying you do is when it's over a meal and somebody else is saying grace? Or do you have that daily moment-by-moment -moment connection with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, there's a dual application in this passage of Scripture, in this particular point, and that is this. If you're truly of the flock of Christ, not only are you expected to get to know the shepherd and you'll know him, as the Bible says, but you'll also know the under-shepherd also. We find in the Bible that it is healthy for the flock when the under-shepherd and the sheep are not living parallel lives, amen? He's the under-shepherd. And in a sense, we're to know our under-shepherd as well. Uh, sometimes 
you know, pastors and the people, they live these lives where it's like they meet together, they never talk to one another, never see each other, never pray with one another, there's never any visiting going on, never any fellowship going on, and their lives never cross outside of the pulpit. That's that superstar mentality. And again, I don't think that's happening here, but let me say you ought to strive to love and to know the under-shepherd that God has given you. They're a blessing, may I remind you. And He gave some apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and all of that God gives them as a gift in 1st Thessalonians 5 12 the Bible says we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you it has been observed this this way that shepherds often smell like sheep now why is that because they spend a lot of time around the sheep, amen? And if you find this untouchable man or this untouchable youth pastor or this untouchable associate pastor and he comes out, you know, to Batman music or whatever and preaches his wonderful flowery sermon and flies out the door before any hands can be shaken, that is not a biblical church and that is not a biblical model. You know, one of the things that's interesting, I think I have the liberty to say this today, is somebody had told me this about First Baptist of Hammond a large independent Baptist church. In fact, for a time, one, probably the largest independent Baptist church in America. They went through a lot of scandal and a lot of problems and things of, of that nature. And Brother Wilkerson's brother's pastor's there. Now, I think some of you, most of you folks probably know Brother Mark Wilkerson. But I had people that were friends, real good friends, with folks that are members there. And they said, I almost you know, fell over because for the first time in my life, I walked out of the church and our pastor stood there and shook our hand. And I heard people say things like, man, for the first time in my life, I have a pastor. I'm going to tell you, that means something. I mean, when somebody will drop what they're doing, come to where you are, say, what do you need? I'll do whatever it takes. That's what a minister of the gospel does. But you're to know him and love him. And there's to be that kind of relationship. And so we must all make an effort to get to know each other better. Well, he doesn't reach out to me. Yeah, and if he says that about you, then you just kind of dig your heels in and nobody works on it, amen? It's kind of like in a marriage. Who's the first to say, I'm sorry? The first one God deals with in their heart, amen? And that's just the truth of, well, I'm waiting on him to say sorry. I'm waiting on her to say sorry. No, get up from where you are and get to know your pastor and get to know the Lord, amen? So look, his sheep, they know the shepherd. Also, we would know the under-shepherd by way of application. And let me say this, not only that, so sheep know the shepherd, but listen, sheep follow the shepherd. And I'm not talking about just, let me just say this, what anarchy out in the fields if only three or four come? Only five showed up today, amen? The flock's 30, we had about 22, where's the other eight? I'm not sure, they just never showed up. That's not what you see out in the fields. Animals have more common sense than people, Amen? Well, it's this reason, and it's that reason. This one didn't come, and those four didn't come for this reason. And, and Johnny had a birthday party, and this was on TV. We had a sporting event, and, and all. No, that's not what you find. His sheep, they do follow him. Not they might, not they should. My sheep follow me. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Prove you're a sheep. Follow him. That's not going to get me saved. I didn't say it's going to get you saved, but I'm saying you claim to be a sheep, follow them. I mean, give them everything. Just let the Lord have complete control of your life. We must follow Jesus. Now again, he says they follow me. He's not talking about part-time. At all times, follow him. In all circumstances, 
follow him. That's what sheep do. No matter if others follow him, you follow him. At all costs, follow him. Even unto a martyr's death and all the way across the finish line, his sheep are supposed to follow him. You know how many people I've had say, you're going to start a church in the middle of COVID? Following him. That don't make no sense. I'm sorry I'm following him. I, didn't, I wasn't asked to make sense of things. I was asked to put sensibilities and my opinions and my intellect aside and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this, what a better time to start a church than right now. Can you name one thing this world needs more than for somebody to fulfill the Great Commission? Can you tell me what this world needs more than some old sinner hearing the gospel, getting saved, a family rescued out of a life of drugs and debauchery and child molestation? What does this world need right now? They need people to follow him and to obey him. And I want to say there'd be a lot more preachers today being raised up in our pews if our children were taught to hear his voice, respond and follow him and serve him with their lives. Our home church, every service in the midweek now we pray special church prayer. Trying to obey and mind the words and the burden of Jesus. Oh God, would you please raise up and send forth labors in your harvest fields. That ought to be a time of every church's prayer time. Ought to be a part of it. That God would raise up people that would follow Him. Follow Him if the road is hard. Follow Him if the valley is deep. His sheep, follow Him. Follow Him, my friend, whether the world follows, no matter, follow Him. Well, those at the workplace, it doesn't matter, you follow Him. Whether your spouse follows Him or not, you follow Him. Christians will follow the shepherd. Let me ask you a question. Are you really following Him? It just, it bothers me. So many pastors' sons, I'm going to join the military. Have you even prayed about it? Well... You're not following him. You were never taught to follow him? You mean you're 16, 17, 18 years old and no one ever taught you the concept of saying what is the will of God and praying and letting God lay out the path for your life? And so many today I find they just have never been taught to follow him. Now that being said, we must follow Jesus, amen, to the loss of friends, to humiliation, to scorn, to criticism. We must be willing to follow. Because I promise you, whatever one of those things it takes to get you out, the devil will use that immediately and you no longer be following him. Well, what if, the, what if this happens? And what if the governmental leaders? And we'll, look, we must obey God rather than men. We must follow him. But that being said, there's also a dual application in this one. Namely, that sheep should follow the under-shepherd. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, Paul said, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because it's biblical, but let me just say this, because there's a lot of charlatans all over social media and all over the internet who would love nothing more than to get you to follow them. It's crazy. When this COVID thing started, people started to lose their minds. So I'm getting emails. And people are asking, well, you teach a lot on prophecy. Are we in the tribulation? It's like, brother, what changed from last week to this? The book is still the same. It was one fellow sent me a thing. He said, now, based on this, I think this is going to be happening. This, this is what's happening over here. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe, you know, that, that might be true. And we go all the way down paragraph after paragraph. And I get after this several page saying, and all the way at the bottom, he says, therefore, Jesus is coming back on this date. I'm like, good night. 
This is a guy I know, a guy that's supposedly sound in doctrine for 25, 30 years of his life. And, and I'm hearing this kind of stuff. What's happening, my friend? People are not following Jesus. They're following the conspiracy theories. So let me say to those of us on the right, and I'm assuming you're pretty squarely on the right. Look, if you hate killing babies, you're already on the right whether you like it or not. Amen? But there's a lot of nuts on the right too. Amen? And man, as soon as this whole election took place, man, the conspiracy theorists are coming out and they've all got an opinion. Man, I've got friends and acquaintances. They're wanting to take up arms and start militias and move to Montana and buy buckets of rice and build bunkers. And I'm thinking, what more? Just follow him. Look, man, if I've got 20 or 30 years of my life left, I want to invest it in people who are going to hell and souls that may never know Christ and die without him. And you're so worried about all this junk out there the devil's got you distracted you're not following him anymore you follow him you'll go straight to a sinner and you'll love them to Jesus follow him listen we follow our Savior but look God gave us leaders God gave us biblical leaders. I'm, I'm thankful. Aren't you thankful they're not all charlatans? Amen. Aren't you thankful not everybody's a Jimmy Faker and an oral, oral rip, rip off and all that other mess? Amen. I'm glad for guys like Pastor Randy Miller. And I'm glad for good men of God that just plant their feet and open and allege this is what the book has to say. We've got to be careful to follow our pastors because our pastors love us. And that crowd on the internet, they just want your money. Wake up, folks. There's a crowd out there, and all they're about is the money. My son was saying the other day, he said, you know, Dad, it's so sad. Because we go talk to people, and they lump us in with these bunch of charlatans. You know what I told him? The only thing I can do is as much as possible separate myself from that crowd and say, well, you stand against these bunch of charlatans, I'll stand 100% with you. Amen? When you stand against people who are using and abusing and selling Jesus Christ for 10 shekels in a shirt, I'll squarely plant my feet with you and I'll preach against it right alongside of you. But so listen, what are you saying? There's a lot of people out there, they want you to follow them. Follow your pastor. Philippians 3.17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which so uh, walk so as you have us for an example. He said, follow me. When God led me to plant a church in Homestead, he used this very principle. And really, some people say, you going to Florida just because your church asked you to? What do you mean just? Yeah, I, I, I've taught this to you and to others, and now I have to live it. Uh, Hebrews 13.7, remember them which have the rule over you. Rule is a powerful word. Who've spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, when the Lord led me through our church and through my pastor, I'm glad I was, I was able to say, well, I know my pastor's not over here and then over there and just all over the map. He's been faithfully following God. I better definitely take this to prayer. And as soon as we took it to prayer, God began to give us green lights. Obey them, uh, verse number 17, that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Now, let me just say this. Be careful. There's an important qualifier, mainly because God knows that under shepherds can be sinful and sometimes downright wicked. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You know, as well as I do, as I already mentioned, pastors can go off doctrinally. Pastors can go off morally. And I, again, will be the first to stand with you against a leader that does that. But until any of that is revealed or before any of that ever happens or you know, whatever, I'm going to follow my pastor and do what God has told me to do through my pastor. And let me say fifthly, sheep reject strangers trying to lead them. 
I just touched on that, but let me just say this. Fornication in church membership, smoking and drinking and carousing and teaching Sunday school, these things are not compatible. What are you trying to say? I'm saying, my friend, uh, as I mentioned, that uh, we, we have to reject strangers trying to lead us. We have to be consistent in our fellowship of Jesus. I want to cut to the chase because I'm, I'm simply out of time. Let me give you this last thought. We're sheep. And here's what's happened to our churches. See, sheep regularly produce a product regularly. Wool. You know why they have sheep? Wool. We didn't want wool, we wouldn't have sheep. If you have sheep, you don't get wool. You got ripped off. You got sheep that won't produce wool. You got ripped off. Something's unnatural at work there. The reason for the analogy ultimately was Jesus is saying, yes, I want you to load to the ground. Yes, I want you to follow me. Yes, I don't want you to follow strangers. I'm going to lead you to green pastures and your cup's going to run over and I'm going to feed you and I'm going to water you and I'm going to do all of those things. But at the end of the day, Sheep are supposed to produce a product. Since COVID started, how many people have you even told about Jesus Christ, let alone bore fruit in your life spiritually to multiply this church body? Oh, my friend, listen, this revival is necessary because we get so focused on trying to hunker down make sure our finances are good and make sure that we're safe physically and make sure that everything's okay in our own life, that the world around us every day, thousands and thousands are dying and going to hell and we are supposed to be out there producing a product wool. You know, it's amazing. They're hurting everywhere. They're hurting without God everywhere. And because we're so hunkered down and so scared, we're not producing what sheep are supposed to produce. Many scriptures I could look at, but... John 15, 8, here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. We're to be the salt, we're to be the light. Many scriptures we could look at, Paul said, His grace was not bestowed upon me in vain because I labored more abundantly than they all. I'll give you one illustration. We were looking for a place to meet, and I had called and called and called and visited and flown down there, and it's just very difficult because of COVID right now to find a dedicated place to meet. But I was on the phone with a lady, and she was working at a, a banquet event center. We we're hoping to maybe rent one of the halls weekly. And uh, she just up and said, well, you know, I don't know because I've, I'm sleeping on just different couches right now. I'm thinking, wow, I'm not sleeping on different. I mean, I was, but I'm on deputation, so I get an excuse for it. Amen? But literally, just impoverished. She began to talk about her five children. I don't know what she did, and I don't know what happened, but you could tell they're not with her. She began to talk about how discouraged and how depressed and how, and she literally said this to us, preacher. She said, church, she said, man, I need something like that in my life. How many thousands are out there, but, I mean, a phone call away, just a word away, just a witness away, but COVID has caused us to be so inner-focused that we forget we are here for a reason, and at the end of the day, sheep are supposed to produce a product. How many people have you won to Christ? How much product do you have sheaves full to show to Jesus Christ? 
because you've been able to touch lives. And I don't know what's going to happen with that lady, but I promise you this, we're going after her like stormtroopers when we get down there. Amen? We've got a list of just peripheral people that we're going to go after. Why? Because we are supposed to be producing a product. And what the devil's done is cause our churches to kick it in neutral. And we're happy just to have the doors open and to have the, the, you know, the payments made and to be able to have our tithes coming in and, you know, and all of that. And we, we forgot about why we're here. Look, we're not a defensive unit. We're not to dig in and hide and hunker down and go underground. We are to be a candle set on top of a mountain where the light shines and reaches everybody. Churches go forward. We're on the offensive. We're taking ground. We're going after souls. We're bringing people to Christ. We're compelling them to come in. Now, which one of those is this church right now? Just kind of hunkering down, man. I'm just glad we can make it. Say, well, yeah, what about COVID? Yeah, what about hell? What about hell? I've had COVID, and I'm not going to minimize it, but I'm going to say this. Hell, for these people who die without Christ, is very, very important. We better get our priorities straight. We're just sheep. I pray that we could get down low where we belong this week, and we could just let the shepherd speak to us. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak on behalf of your name and your word today. Lord, I'm glad that you're my shepherd. I'm glad to know, Lord, that even as we marry our children off and they go to faraway places, Father, I'm glad to be able to know that you're their shepherd. And they've professed a good profession in Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, other sheep you have that we don't even know about, but, Lord, we're just thankful to be a part of what you're doing. But help us to remember to live our lives low, to follow you, to listen to you, to not listen to false shepherds. And God, help us, Lord, to bring forth that, that product that you have us here for, Lord, to produce that wool. Lord, the, the sheaves that are full of lost souls for your glory. God, I fear today that we're just happy just to be able to make it, to get along, and to, to get by. And Lord, if you come back soon, we will have spent the last year or two before the rapture of doing nothing but just kind of hanging on and we've become that which we most feared, Lord, that we would just be at churches that are hanging on to the end and hoping for the best. God, help us to be as bold as a lion, to, have, to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and to never quit doing what you told us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Lord, please begin a revival in our hearts this morning as we examine ourselves according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.